you need parts, O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Auto Parts. GX on Agriculture. With Doug Falconer. Good afternoon and welcome to GX on Agriculture. Coming up on today's program, prices for many specialty crops remain relatively strong this winter. We'll hear from Alan Johnston from Johnston's Grain Marketing Service in Welwyn. Farm Credit Canada sees ongoing strong prices for cattle this year. FCC economist Des Sobel will join us on today's program to talk about that. And as you heard on Friday in 2021, many prairie farmers were stuck with penalties when they couldn't deliver grain and oilseed to the companies they had contracts with due to a widespread drought. Janelle Whiteley is the Senior Manager of Trade and Marketing Policy with the Canadian Canola Growers Association. She'll tell us about what some of those main issues were in 2021. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of GX and Agriculture. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers bio meal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka your REMAX Blue Chip Ag Division Specialist. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. Prices for many specialty crops remain relatively strong this winter. Alan Johnston is the president of Johnston's Grain Marketing Service in Welwyn. He outlined some of the latest prices available. Well, yellow peas were getting bids in around that 12, 12 and a quarter, subject to what freight is, you know, 12.50, 12.75 delivered. Green peas are a little stronger for ones with low bleach, uh, 2 or 3% or less bleach. The, the, we're getting $13, dollars $14. Some of those bids are delivered. It just, again, depends on freight and all of that. Canary seeds under under $0.40 cents now, probably $0.36, $0.38 cents in that range. Chickpeas are really strong, like they're 48 to 50 plus, depending on, again, on freight. And new crop bids are quite well, quite good as well, you know. As for lentils... Well, lentils, they're still, like number one lairds and number two lairds, they're still in that 48-plus range, and again, on freight. The new crops are up around 42-plus, and there's been lots of new crop booked lately. I got an email from a company this morning that they're just, they booked thousands of tons of new crop last week. Essence lentils, the small green lentils are, you know, 46, 47, 48. New crops are around 40-plus. Richleys are, I've got bids here for one company, and a lot of Richleys come out of the U.S., so they give me a 30 cent for April, May, fall on U.S. Richleys, and, you know, 28 to 30 on new crop. Red lentils are, right now, they're around, they're hot. Red lentils are around 34, maybe 35 delivered. Maybe even 35 fall demands. I haven't talked to a lot of people yet today. New crop is around 30 cents. French greens have been quite hot, lots of stuff moving. We even got a 60-cent new crop bid for French green lentils. Chickpeas, what all we've been through here. And mustard, we'll even take you into the mustard. Like Mustard prices have dropped off a bit. We, we were getting over a dollar a pound right now. It's around 90 to 95 cents a pound for old crop and 66, 68, something like that for new crop. 
Brown mustard right, currently is around 84, 85, and new crop is around 64 or 65. Oriental mustard is right, currently around 94, 95, which is really good, and new crop is around 68 to 70 cents. Flax right now, we had $18 on flax picked up for uh, new crop, and I filled that order with one company, and we haven't got anybody else to come in lately, but that's what we're looking for, $18 new crop, and so it's, it's close to that. Old crop flax, we've just traded a hoard of it lately at 16, 16.50 mostly picked up, sometimes 17 delivered. That market is softer uh, than it was, and there's just lots of flax. One thing we didn't cover here was oats. Lots of oats around as well. Just hundreds of thousands of... You got this morning, a call here just a minute ago from a guy. He's got 100,000 bushels of heavy, dry oats. So all kinds of oats out there, and that market is probably under $4 picked up right now, if you can find a buyer. And Johnston says uh, barley price is hard to peg right now. Again, it's subject to where it's sitting. Uh, if we get out uh, Regina West, we're getting $8 or better. And the further west you go, and the more I can get for barley picked up. You get into the southeast corner and northeast Saskatchewan, we're in that 750 to 775 range. Again, subject to freight as always. Feed wheat, a few weeks ago, I was trading a lot of it at $11 picked up in the southeast. And right now I'm having trouble getting that. It's more like 10 40 10 50 But buyers are still out there if you want to get some of it moving. I've also got a good bit on new crop feed wheat into a, a company. And I can even get to an active garden at 35 bushels. That's on low protein feed wheat that's a high yielder. So just unbelievable stuff going on. They're very, very busy. And our, our company can hardly keep up. Alan Johnston is the president of Johnston's Grain Marketing Service in Wilwyn. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94, Ag Review. One of the joint venture owners of Winnipeg Pea and Canola Protein Processor Merit Functional Foods says it's in talks to buy full control of the cash-strapped company. Two days after Merritt entered a court-ordered receivership, Vancouver-based Burkhan Nutriscience announced it intends to submit a formal proposal to acquire the business. Burkhan says Merritt's receivership was an anticipated step in the process of addressing Merritt's financial situation and does not alter Burkhan's plan to buy the business. Burkon, whose current ownership stake in Merit is about 31.6%, says it remains actively engaged in discussions with PricewaterhouseCoopers, Merit's court-appointed receiver. The receivership was requested in a February 24th filing by Federal Lending Agencies Export Development Canada and Farm Credit Canada, who in 2020 provided debt financing toward Merit's construction and startup. In their filing, they put the principal and interest owed to them at about $58.5 million and $36.5 million, respectively. Ontario's York Regional Police have charged seven people with trafficking and exploiting 64 Mexican migrants, saying the accused were part of an international labour trafficking ring operating in the Toronto region. Police in Ontario say they had obtained information in November that migrant men and women were being exploited for their work. The investigation, done in partnership with the Canada Border Services Agency, revealed that an organized group of criminals enticed the victims into Canada with promises of good work and a better life. They ended up living in deplorable conditions 
and were driven to work sites in private buses which were in a state of disrepair. The migrants were mistreated, abused and exploited for manual labor at farms, factories and warehouses in the Greater Toronto Area. CN and CP Rail supplied a combined 70% of hopper cars ordered in Grain Week 30, a notable decline from the previous week's 83%. The decline in performance reflects lower performance for each of CN and CP. In supplying 76% of hopper cars ordered on time in Week 30, CN's order fulfillment performance declined from the 80% performance seen in Week 29, falling below the 80% performance threshold after two consecutive weeks of 80% or better performance. This marks the 15th straight week that CN has fallen short of the 90% threshold. CP order fulfillment performance also declined significantly, with the railway supplying only 64% of cars ordered, a decline from the 78% performance seen in week 29. The decline in performance comes on the heels of three straight weeks of improvement seen from CP in weeks 29, uh, make that 27 through 29. This marks the 25th consecutive week that CP has fallen short of the 90% performance threshold. Meanwhile, CN Rail says last month was the best February ever for prairie grain movement on the CN network. Grain shipments reached 2.4 million metric tons last month, exceeding the record set in February of 2021 by over 200,000 tons. CN attributes the record performance in February to increased collaboration between supply chain partners, enabling strong performance even during periods of extreme cold. Each year, CN moves more than 300 million metric tons of goods through North America each year. CN has an 18,600-mile network connecting Canada's east and west coasts with the U.S. South. Corteva AgriScience has made a change in leadership in Canada, replacing Bryce Eager with Jeremy Dirks. Dirks will now be Vice President, Canada Commercial Unit for Corteva AgriScience Canada. Dirks most recently served as Project Management Office Leader for Corteva at Johnston, Iowa. Dirks previously held roles establishing the company's role in global food systems and also as a commercial unit lead. Eager has been promoted to Vice President Seeds Research and Development for Corteva AgriScience and will be based at Iowa. Eager has served as President of Corteva Canada since 2017 and was previously President of Pioneer Hybrid Limited and Business Director for DuPont Crop Protection and DuPont Pioneer for two years. He is also currently the President of CropLife Canada but will be stepping down from that role. And the Canadian Food Inspection Agency has revoked five primary control zones for the highly contagious avian flu. It says this happens when post-outbreak surveillance is completed and no further cases of avian influenza are detected. The agency's website showed the number of birds that have been impacted in British Columbia as of Wednesday was 3,657,000. It says that while the virus affects birds, there is no evidence it can be passed to humans 
who consume poultry products. And that's the Ag Review portion of our program. Please stay tuned. GX and Agriculture will return right after this. Welcome back to GX and Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. It's sunny and minus 20 degrees in the Yorkton-Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at 1 o'clock. Farm Credit Canada sees ongoing strong prices for cattle this year. FCC economist Des Sobel says prices are continuing upward as part of a two-year trend to rising prices. What we're seeing right now for fed cattle is uh, the price so far this year in 2023 is actually a about 12% higher than all of last year's average 2022, which was a pretty good year. So we're seeing these strong prices are going to continue through the year. You know, we've talked about the drought in Canada, the drought in the U.S., that it has impacted herd size. And the inventory numbers have come out. You know, their herd sizes have been contracting. So we're seeing that. So that's going to continue to support prices. You know, there's still strong demand for beef. We're seeing that all the way through the supply chain. So we're seeing strong fed cattle prices, which is also translating into strong feeder cattle prices that we're seeing as well. As I say on the hog side, you know, it's a little bit tighter. So prices that we're seeing coming into 2023 are lower than last year, uh, but are trending towards what we saw in 2021. So not as strong as we saw last year, but, you know, they're still trending upwards. So there's still demand for hogs as well, and there's still demand for pork. And, you know, when we look at inflation, food inflation, you know, that's a hot topic. Beef and pork, the price rises haven't been as high as we've seen from other food groups and other protein sources. So um, we're still seeing that demand. Beef, is, I'd say, is a little bit stronger than we're seeing for hogs right now. He tells us how much the cattle herd has declined. So in total, like Canada, um, the current, you know, we just got the numbers released for January 1st. The total herd size in Canada now, right now, is the lowest it's been since 1990. So we're seeing a very, you know, smaller herd. It's been contracting over the last number of years. For the U.S., you know, their herd size right now is the lowest it's been since about 2014-15, and prior to that was pre-1990. So we are definitely seeing that contraction in the herd. Like I mentioned, the U.S. currently is facing drought, and so they have a shortage of feed, shortage of water. So they're selling a lot of their, you know, selling a lot to slaughter. And same in Canada, we had the drought in 2021. That impacted the herd size. And then even going into 2022, there were still some concerns. So, you know, they were reducing herds and they were having to import feed as well, which was getting very expensive. So, yeah, the herd size are definitely a lot smaller and, you know, a lowest we've seen in, in quite some time. And Sobel outlined some of the key trends producers should watch for this spring and summer. I would say, you know, weather, you know, things are looking more positive right now, but you know, that weather can change quickly. So that'll be definitely a watch item to see, you know, what those pasture conditions like, Um, you know, are they going to have to buy feed? We know that feed prices have come down, but quantity markets are really, really strong. And we see a huge differential in feedlots that have to, that have to purchase feed versus any feedlot that grows their own feed. So definitely watching drought, moisture conditions, as well as the commodity markets. Things can change quickly. Um, inflation's, like I said, is still going up. It's still really high for food. But, you know, the Bank of Canada, you know, they've raised rates. They're kind of in a bit of a holding pattern now. So that'll be the other factor is they have to start increasing rates a little bit more to, you know, bring inflation, especially food inflation down. That'll be something to watch as well. That'll impact producers' profits. That's FCC economist Des Sobel. Livestock market conditions. 
U.S. live cattle futures for April are trading at 166.12. That's up 70. June live cattle trading at 161.07, up 40. April feeder cattle trading at 198.80. That's up 277. May feeder cattle trading at 203.30, up 235. April lean hogs trading at 83.80, down 75. May lean hogs trading at 93.02, down 42. And that's the livestock market conditions. Well, as you heard on Friday in 2021, many prairie farmers were stuck with penalties when they couldn't deliver grain and oilseed to the companies they had contracts with due to a widespread drought. Janelle Whiteley is the Senior Manager of Trade and Marketing Policy with the Canadian Canola Growers Association. She was a guest on Sasquatch's Wheat Profit podcast, and she talks about the main issues with grain contracts in the drought year of 2021. You know, 2021 is will be a year that I don't think we'll easily forget um, on the Canadian prairies. And it was unique in that, you know, there was widespread drought right throughout. And normally in a given year, there's pockets of production shortfalls or there's pockets of grading issues. But in 2021, um, you know, it was pretty, everyone was impacted. So I think, you know, in terms of lessons specifically around liquidated damages in contracts. Um, so all contracts, you know, have a liquidated damage um, clause in them. There's a lot of variability between grain companies and the liquidated damages are, you know, are, are normal in grain contracts. And really their goal is to lay out what the cost is to the uh, to the buyer should the seller you know breach or terminate the contract and also they'll lay out the the cost to the seller should you know the buyer um, be in breach or terminate the contract so it's there for a transparency piece and to understand what the cost would be um, so what happened in 2021 I think we, we realized there was a lot of you know questions and a gray area around the the, the formula that's used to calculate um, liquidated damages so that price differential so it's normally you know the the contract cost and what else um, is it the market price is it the replacement cost and great of to replace you know the grain at the time and in 2021 there was no grain available so that complicated that um, is it the value of the bid price is it cost to buy out a hedge position so there's a lot of variability and there was a lot of confusion in terms of how that price um, was was calculated you know we also saw that some contracts contained you know administration fees not all of them do so that's you know something that maybe you know farmers you know should should look out for uh, and these fees really could range anywhere from ten dollars to thirty dollars and those were on top of you know the liquidated damage like that price differential and then we saw also those you know high interest rates and potential for legal fees you know as well that was written into grain contracts so you know a lot a lot of questions in terms of what the different terms meant and you know how a grain company was interpreting them and you know how they are going to be applied um, to farmers buyouts. Whiteley discusses farmer options when it comes to being unable to fulfill their grain contracts. 
Yeah, and I think there's there's two two things here. One is, you know, as, as a farmer, if you expect that you are going to be short on production or you're not going to be able to meet, you know, the full volume requirement, I think there's some, you know, maybe not so much in 2021, um, but there may be some other things that you could do where you could, you know, buy grain from a neighbor to deliver against a contract. Uh, maybe you can assign the contract to another farmer um, or maybe you could roll the contract over to a next to another year or to another commodity, you know, when it does work out for you. Um, so those are maybe available in the larger picture in 2021. I, I don't think those options were were there. Uh, but one of the lessons that we did learn in 2021 is that we did engage, you know, a team of lawyers to help us better understand um, liquidated damages and how, you know, farmers experience. And one of the questions that we were asked and that, you know, they were able to provide some insight on was around terminating um, a contract. So essentially both parties, you know, a buyer and a seller can terminate a grain contract at any time, providing that they're willing to pay uh, the liquidated damages. Uh, so their recommendation to us was that, you know, if a farmer, you know, ex should, you know, realistically assess what production they have in their field, you know, and to really look at the impact of what had happened, what, you know, the impact of terminating a contract. And if they, there's no other options and they, you know, want to execute that option is that they should, you know, reach out to the grain company earlier on in the process and inform them and say, you know, uh, you know, I would like to terminate my contract, um, you know, please, you know, move forward and calculate liquid damages on this date. And then therefore, you know, that creates a timestamp of when damages are to be calculated. So one of the lessons from 2021 is that I think what happened was, you know, you know, in July, you know, in August, we heard, you know, significant concerns from farmers that, you know, the yields weren't there and they were not going to get a crop off. So they were going to their grain companies and communicating saying like, look, I, I don't think I have enough quality. I don't think I have enough volume. Like, what are my options? And then their grain buyer, you know, who also needed to fulfill their contract are saying, well, just, just hold off, you know, until, you know, your, your harvest or your, your crop is off and then we'll know for sure what quality, what quantity that you have. And by that time, you know, there wasn't enough volume and the market had already risen, um, which, you know, exempt, you know, um, which then for made those liquidated damages is so much larger. So, you know, by by getting that record of communication in there early and turning early and getting that date stamp, you know, you could have, you know, saved on that rising market. She talks about some of the contract issues that have arisen in other years. I wouldn't say that, you know, the contract issues were unique to 2021 per se. I, I think farmers have been expressing concerns with grain contracts now for years, um, you know, particularly around quality and delivery terms, um, where, you know, 2021 uh, just intensified, you know, um, some of the, like the contract, you know, their imbalance and some of the, the questions around how they're, um, they're applied. You know, for example, back in 2014, you know, it was that year where we had a, you know, larger production. It was a colder winter than, than normal. And we had, you know, significant problems with the railways, you know, moving grain um, off the prairies. So there was a lot of questions at that time around um, contracts and, you know, having initial delivery period and then the grain companies being able to extend 
extend the delivery period. So that highlighted some of those concerns or some of the imbalance around the delivery portion of grain contracts. Um, over the years, we've seen a lot of questions on quality as you know, end use markets have have changed. You know, more and more requirements are being asked of farmers. You know, those you know also get elevated about how they're treated in contracts. You know, how you know what are the requirements of farmers? So, you know, that's um, there's always issues per se with grain contracts. 2021, you know, while it was devastating for many, you know, it just highlighted the many, you know, built on the many contract issues that, you know, farmers have expressed over the years. Whiteley outlines the best practice for producers who want to cancel a grain contract. So either party, you know, can essentially, you know, terminate a contract at either time, providing that they're willing to pay the damages. So in terms of best practices, you know, as a farmer, before you decide to go down this route, you know, number one would be to fully and realistically assess, you know, what your production is and fully understand the impact of going down that road. So how will this impact other open contracts? You know, is there other business dealings that, you know, could be impacted, you know, around like crop inputs or another? side of the business and you know if, if it, you decide that it's the best decision for your farm uh, all contracts should be formally terminated in writing um, so uh, they should be done as early as soon as you know and you're confident that there is an issue uh, it should be done using unambiguous language that is fully dated so you have that timestamp um, so by sending you know, putting this formal record and sending it to the grain company, you're also, um, you know, invoking, you know, by terminating the contract, the grain company then has to go out and mitigate its damages. So they cannot take on more costs associated with that contract um, after that you've terminated it. So, you know, that record, you know, could be an email, it could be in, in writing, but something that clearly says that I would like to, con you know, terminate X contract for this product on this date. Please, you know, go ahead and calculate liquidated damages. She then talks about the difference between the third edition of their guide to the fourth edition concerning a section on declarations. Delivery declarations are really, you know, something that we've been using on the prairies for quite some time. Um, so I think there's a few things to kind of highlight with them. So a delivery declaration is essentially an extension of your grain contract. Um, so when you sign it, you know, you are agreeing to the terms and conditions in it. Um, so that's kind of an important piece to read and understand because um, you can't be held, you know, liable um, should, you know, something happen after the fact. Uh, you know, there was also back, you know, to comply with the Canada-US-Mexico agreement, you know, declarations were, were changed on the prairies, where underneath the Canada Green Regulations, um, you know, declarations to declare the variety that's grown as registered in Canada was included under the regulation, so now is a legal requirement. Um, so that's a change that was, you know, not there in 2013. So essentially now, when you look at a declaration, you'll see two parts of it. So the first part will be to, you know, um, to guarantee that the 
variety that you've used is registered in Canada, and that is to comply with the Canada-US-Mexico agreement and the change to the regulation. And the second part of the declaration will be in relation to, you know, the grain company requirements. So it can contain anything from, you know, a crop protection tool that you're not, that's not going to be permitted in that given crop year, um, unregistered varieties that will not be accepted, or, you know, potentially things around plant breeders' rights. So those are a different part now. Um, so there's two parts that come that con that declaration. So that's different from 2013 to or the the third edition to to now. And Whiteley concluded with these comments. You know, for farmers who are interested in learning more and would like to know where they could find the resource, it is available at knowyourgrade.ca. There's a tab um, for contracts where it can be downloaded, as well as other resources, such as a session that we organize with grain uh, with the lawyers, as well as other, you know, short articles on what to do short situation or best contract management um, practices, as well as anyone who would like a, a written copy, you know, feel free to contact our, our head office here at, in Winnipeg, so Canadian Canola Growers Association. Um, it's available at ccga.ca. Our address is available there. Janelle Whiteley is the Senior Manager of Trade and Marketing Policy with the Canadian Canola Growers Association. She was a guest recently on Sask Wheat's Wheat Profit podcast. Please stay tuned. Your Commodities Update is coming up next. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading down in the nearby months this hour. May canola trading at 8.2150, down $1 per metric ton. July canola trading at 8.1640, down $1.50. May Minneapolis wheat trading at 8.65 per bushel, down seven and three quarters of a cent. May Kansas City wheat trading at $8 per bushel down 16 and a quarter cents. May Chicago wheat trading at 696 and a half down 12 and a quarter cents. May corn trading at 636 per bushel down three and three quarters of a cent. May soybeans trading at 1528 per bushel up nine and a quarter cents. May oats trading at 323 and three quarters down eight cents. And that's the commodities update. Well, with spring seeding just around the corner, it's time to get your seed tested and treated. Erica Yaskowicz is the Crops Extension Specialist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture in Kindersley. Testing your seed and using seed treatments is one way to start the growing season off right. There are a large number of diseases that can affect your crop throughout the year. Seed testing is the first indicator of crop health and give you a look at the overall seed quality, which includes germination, vigor, diseases present, and thousand kernel weight. This information is vital when doing calculations for seeding. Using the germination and vigor tells us how well the seedlings will thrive under stressful growing conditions. The thousand kernel weight, or TKW, will let us determine the seeding rate per acre with the use of germination and vigor numbers. Search Canadian Seed Institute list of accredited labs for seed testing to find a list of potential labs. By testing the seed, you can protect your fields from the introduction of other diseases or the spread of more disease within your fields. Keeping fields disease-free as possible while growing your crop will help you achieve your crop's full potential. The sooner you seed test, 
the sooner you can source quality seed if using your bin run or a certified seed source and avoiding issues with shortages. Using the Saskatchewan Seed Guide or the Interactive Sask Seed Guide can help when it comes to making choices when it comes to deciding on what varieties may be most suitable to your area, as well as a variety that has a particular disease package that may help in the reduction of disease within the crop. Seed treatments are a good management tool, but are not a cure for when seed is poor. What it will help with is the reduction of pathogens and preserve viability of that seed. The Guide to Crop Protection is a useful tool when looking for seed treatments, as well as the product's labels. If you have any questions about seed testing, contact the Agriculture Knowledge Centre at 1-866-457-2377 or your local Crops Extension Specialist. This has been Erica Yaskowicz, Crops Extension Specialist with Saskatchewan Agriculture in Kindersley. Welcome back to GX on Agriculture. I'm Doug Falconer. Sask Pork's Whole Hog Youth Ambassador says the public needs to be aware that food doesn't just appear in the grocery store, it is produced through the hard work of farmers. The Saskatchewan Pork Development Board's Whole Hog Youth Ambassador Program, launched in January, is designed to bring youth into the discussion of how pork is produced and where our food comes from. Sask Pork Whole Hog Youth Ambassador 10-year-old Reese Podhordeski lists some of his duties and responsibilities. As a youth ambassador, my role is to inform others about the pork industry. Really, I get to talk to other kids my age and share what I've learned about how pigs are raised. He's been pretty busy so far. Since the program launched, I've been able to take part in a number of interviews and have attended a few events such as Egg Awareness Summit, and egg in the city. I was able to chat with Maddie from Learn About Egg with Maddie, Clinton Monchak with Farm Food Care, and Shelby at 4 H Saskatchewan. Coming up this month, I'll be able I'll be visiting classrooms for Canadian Egg Literacy Month, and in April, I'll be at Discover the Farm event in Swift Current. Reese discusses the types of questions he's being asked. There seems to be a lot of interest. I think the most common questions are how many piglets in a litter, what do pigs eat, and how big do they get. People I'm meeting are finding it really interesting to learn about how their food is raised, and people already involved in agriculture like that, we are able to teach about food production. He explains why it's so important to be engaged with the public about the hog industry. I feel that people should know what where their food comes from. It doesn't just appear at the grocery store. Farmers put a lot of care and attention into raising pigs to make sure we have the best pork. Reese has a key message to give moving forward. I want people to know that pigs are raised with lots of care and that farmers work hard to make sure that we have safe food. And he says he's learned a lot about hog production himself. There's actually a lot of detail and technology in raising pigs that I didn't know about before I started. It's pretty cool. Ten-year-old Reese Podhordeski is the Sask Pork Whole Hog Youth Ambassador. Farm Bulletin Board. You can place a bid on grassland restoration with the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Foundation if you're interested in seeding cultivated land back to native prairie. The reverse auction allows landowners to put a realistic price on what it will cost them to convert land back to native prairie 
and the chance to receive financial compensation for grassland restoration projects. Bidding is now open until March 31st. Uh, you can contact them to learn more about the reverse auction process and how to place a bid. You can simply go to their website at www.ssgf.ca or give them a call 306-530-1385. And that's today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's coming up on 1 o'clock. That means it's time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast for the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. Partly to mainly sunny, a light north-northeast wind, and a high of minus 14. For tonight, partly cloudy, winds east-southeast at 10 to 20, a low of minus 25. For tomorrow, becoming cloudy, winds east-southeast at 10 to 20, a high of minus 14, a low of minus 22. For Wednesday, variable cloud and a 30% chance of flurries. Winds east at 15 to 25, a high of minus 12. For Thursday, a 30% chance of isolated flurries, a high of minus 10. And Friday, a 50% chance of light snow and flurries, a high of minus 7. In the Paw and Swan River, it's minus 18 degrees. Dauphin and Show Lake Russell are at minus 16, Brandon minus 15, Roblin minus 17. Regina, Hudson Bay and Broadview Mooseman all reporting in at minus 16 degrees, Saskatoon, Indian Head, Winyard, Wadena, Kelvington minus 19. The Yorkton Melville region has a sunny sky, calm conditions, 65% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 20 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for GX on Agriculture for today. Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines.